Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are here. And we, we know that in a very real way today. We thank you for the way that your Holy Spirit has ministered to my brothers and sisters today, has ministered to me today. And Father, I pray that you continue to do your work as we hear from your word now. In Christ's name, amen. I turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. We are continuing today uh, through this book. And these first uh, five sermons are uh, taking a look at the teacher's evidence that life is hevel. For those of you who haven't been here, uh, hevel is the Hebrew word that's translated into our English Bibles as vanity or meaningless. So as you're reading your English Bibles, anywhere you come across the word meaningless or vanity, uh, that is the Hebrew word hevel. And as we've been saying, that that word uh, doesn't literally mean uh, meaningless. It was the, the best that English translators could do to communicate the, the meaning of this. It's actually a metaphor. Uh, Hevel literally means smoke or vapor. That uh, life is meaningless. It means that it's hard to grasp and that it's here today and that it's gone tomorrow like smoke or like vapor. And throughout the book, the teacher... And Ecclesiastes gives his evidence. He makes his case for why life is hevel. And these are five things that he talks about. Time and chance and evil and death and the mystery of God and his ways. And today we are looking at this second of uh, the teacher's points, which is uh, the idea of chance. Now, uh, Sandy Johnson knew that we were going to be talking about chance today, and so she sent me a text yesterday saying, hey, I've got an illustration for you for your sermon tomorrow, so we're going to use it, okay? So she made this today, and so this is like a, just a chance wheel, okay? And it has all these different words on it, like dream job or health or physical or mental disability or poverty or death or a happy life. Okay, and so this is an illustration today of the chance reality of our lives. And this is a little bit different than what we're going to talk about next week, which is evil, uh, because evil is active. It's active in our world and it's real. Uh, Chance, on the other hand, simply has more to do with nature. Sometimes things just happen. That's part of our fallen world, part of the fallen nature of our world, but things just happen sometimes. And nature doesn't seem to, uh, to care whether or not you're a good person or a bad person or a wise person or a foolish person. Sometimes things just happen. It's important for us to remember as we talk about chance that the teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes had limited his writings and limited himself to his observations of life under the sun. The teacher's perspective is true, but it is not complete. It is the most accurate and keen reflections about the realities of life here under the sun that has ever been written. But his perspective is not complete because he does not take into account the work of God from beyond the sun. 
It's also helpful for us to remember the comparison that we've been making between the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Proverbs and Job. These three books make up what's known as the wisdom literature of the Bible. And all three of these books of ancient wisdom tell us about how we're to understand our lives in this world, how we should live, how should we handle our money and our time and our relationship. And each of these three books give a bit of a different perspective on those questions. And if we're going to live a wise life, we need to understand the, the perspective and the emphasis that Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job each give to us as they are writing to us about life in this world. So, for example, in the book of Proverbs, for the most part, the writers of the Proverbs tell us that there is a cause and effect relationship in our lives. If we act one way, then this thing will happen. If we act in another way, then this will happen. If you're a godly person, Proverbs says, then you will live a long and happy life. If you are a wicked person, then your life will be cut short. If you work hard, you're going to be prosperous. If you're lazy, you're going to be poor. And the book of Proverbs is this beautiful book that gives us the big picture of what life is normally like. It tells us these timeless truths about life, usually in these very short and memorable ways that if we hold on to them and if we seek to apply those words to our lives, that our life is going to go better for us than it would otherwise. And most importantly, if we live according to the words of Proverbs, we're going to honor God with our lives. But the teacher knows that there's this, there's this bug in the system. Things don't always work out like we expect to, them to. Things don't always work out like they should. And in our lives, we make plans for ourselves. We make plans for our future. And then something comes along and messes it all up, right? And so parents, what do we tell our kids? Life's not We want them to know that. But because we know that in their lives, they're going to bump up against circumstances that aren't fair. And if they aren't expecting for that, if they're not ready for it, then they're going to be really frustrated and they're going to have a tough time. So the teacher is acting like a good parent here, telling us life's not fair. And there's other times when chance comes, chance comes along and you get something that you don't deserve, but that is good, right? In college, um, do you guys remember these things called up? video stores. I don't know if you remember those or not. Like way back, like 10 years ago, there were these things called video stores. And when I was in college, uh, there were two video stores somewhat near our campus. One was closer uh, to the Blockbuster. And so I always went to the one that was closer. But um, I'm really bad at returning things on time. Like I have... The Allen County Library is like running on my overdue library fines. Um, But I had this this overdue fine at this video store, and and I didn't pay it for a really long time. And um, so I would always drive like an extra mile and a half to the Blockbuster, so just so I wouldn't have to pay my overdue library fines. And this really annoyed the girl that I was dating at the time, and she would always just, why don't you go in and pay the $3 and be done with it? I said, no, I'm not going to do it. We're going to Blockbuster. So one day in the mail, I got this letter from the video store. And I thought, oh, no, they're put me in collections or something for my $4 or whatever it is. 
and opened it up, and they said, it said, April is overdue fine forgiveness month. If you bring in this letter, we'll, overdue, we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll forgive all of your, your fines. I guess there's a lot of people like me who are driving on the Blockbuster, and they realize that. So they forgave my fines. That was chance. If the day before I'd went in and paid that four bucks, I'd have lost the four bucks, but by chance, happy chance. <laughs> I didn't do that, and my fines were forgiven. So the teacher tells us in this book that there's this thing called chance, and all of us have experienced that there's this random nature about life. We can't always predict what is going to happen, and all of us have things that come along in our lives that disrupt our plans, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. And so let's uh, hear a little bit about what the teacher says about chance. Ecclesiastes 7.14, when times are good, be happy, but when times are bad, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. We want to control our future, right? We want to be able to make a plan and carry it out and be sure if we do all of the right things at the right time that in the end, all of those things will turn out well. We often do this with our finances. A couple times a year, I'll get curious and I'll, I'll look at my retirement plan and I'll get out one of those calculators on the computer and if I invest this much per month over the next 30 years, then at the end of those 30 years, if I get this much return on my investment, then I'll have this amount of dollars. Like, wow, that's great. Those of you in the room who have the luxury, and it is a luxury of being able to plan and think that far ahead, Many of you probably do those kinds of fun calculations too. And the book of Proverbs tells us that's a wise thing to do. To save your money, to invest it, to put it away for the future is in principle, proverbially, it's a good thing. But we have to hold on to those plans lightly, don't we? Because there's those times when you do everything right. You follow Dave Ramsey's advice, and you follow the advice of your financial manager, and your investments go sour. 2008 happens, and people lose half of their retirement nearly overnight. That happens, right? So some of us make these plans, but we can't depend on them. We make these financial plans, but we have to remember that the free market is not God. It can, and it does, and it will fail. It's not worthy of our faith. And so we make those plans, but we have to hold on to them lightly. In my life, as I look back, I had a lot of plans for my life, and none of them have happened. Not none of them, but certainly around my calling to ministry, almost none of them have happened. When I was 18 years old, I really wanted to follow God with my life, and so I went to college and I wanted to do good in college, but my dad was a pastor and I did not want to do that. And so I, I decided that I would be a high school guidance counselor. That's a good thing, right? Helping kids, you know, do, helping kids and also coach baseball and soccer. That's what I wanted to do. So I went to college and I started studying psychology. And after a few months, God said, you're going to go into ministry. And I said, Okay. But I'm not going to go into pastoral ministry. I'm not going to go into church. Uh, 
I'll go into ministry, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a campus, college campus ministry, like the Langfords at Michigan State. That's what I wanted to do. I thought, I'll go into ministry, but I'll do that. I can live on a college campus for the rest of my life. That sounds like fun. <laughs> and so I went to seminary, and all of the classes that I took, any of the electives that I took, were I had in mind going into college campus ministry. That's what I was going to do. And Katie and I got married, and we moved to, to Vancouver, and we thought, well, maybe I'll connect with the college campus there, and I'll either volunteer, or if they've got you know, a, a position available, I'll apply for that, but we'll go there. And a month after being there, we sensed a very clear calling to Ebenezer Baptist Church. And I became the associate pastor of spiritual formation at Ebenezer Baptist Church, but I'm not going to be a senior pastor, right? A year and a half later, they said, Ryan, would you like to be our senior pastor? We prayed about it, we thought about it, we said, sure, we'll do that. And here I am, 13 years later. Here I am. None of my plans went the way that I want to, but by happy chance, here I am. Praise God. There is, there is nothing wrong with making plans. The book of Proverbs even tells us that it's a good and wise thing to do. But the teacher reminds us that life under the sun is what? Hevel. It's like smoke. We can't contain it. We can't direct smoke wherever we want it to go. Smoke goes where it wants to go. And life under the sun is like that. Our life doesn't always turn out like we expect it to. We make our plans, and then those plans almost always change. And that's true with the very big things in life as well as with the very small things in life. And there are many reasons for why our plans change. But one of those reasons is the simple reality of chance. There are things that come along in our life that we simply cannot predict. So let's look at another passage about what the teacher says about chance. He says this, Ecclesiastes 9, 11 through 12. He says, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. What's the teacher saying in this passage? He's saying that life doesn't always work out like it should. The fastest person in the race doesn't always win the race. Usain Bolt dominated the sprinting world for about 10 years until that time that he pulled his hamstring as he was running down the track. Fastest man in the world by far, and his hamstring gives out on him. He couldn't have predicted that would happen. No one could. The battle doesn't always go to the strongest, food to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. Time and chance happen to them all. Again, the teacher's reflections are limited. He's giving us his investigation of life under the sun. And he finds that as he looks about at life, that there seems to be no difference whether good things or bad things come to good people or to bad people. 
As we live under the sun, there are things that happen that we cannot predict or know about, no matter how much we try to protect ourselves, no matter how many precautions we take, no matter how much we concentrate on doing the wise and good thing, none of it is foolproof against this thing called chance. Time and chance happen to us all. Sometimes this happens. Okay? Got a nice red sports car crushed by a tree. And sometimes this happens. (laughs) Okay, a little black beater of a car in the tree dodges it. Sometimes in life, under the sun, we, we spin the wheel, and some people get lucky, and some people don't. And it's not only in our day-to-day circumstances that we live in, but just think about your entire life, the seeming random nature of where you were born, and what family you were born into. None of us chose that. None of us had any say in that whatsoever. Most of you are fortunate enough, fortunate enough to be born in the United States and the opportunities we have in our country because of that give you far greater advantages than someone born in Somalia or Rwanda or Romania. Just because. <laughs> Randomly, you were born here and not there. Here's how the teacher says it in a different way. Ecclesiastes 9, 2 and 3. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who sacrifice and those who do not. As it is with the good, so it is with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes them all. The men and women in Houston and in Florida and in Puerto Rico suffered great loss in the last month. It could not have been predicted, and both the rich and the poor suffered it. The foolish and the wise suffered it. Men and women who have been frugal with their lives and have spent years and years faithfully paying their mortgage every single month suffered it. Their houses were underwater just like their neighbor right next to them. And it's not fair. Peter Kreeft says, the great tragedy of life is not just that bad things happen to good people, but that bad things happen to good people exactly as frequently as to bad people. Isn't that what the teacher tells us? Not just that bad things happen to good people. We can be frustrated by that. But that bad things happen to good people exactly as frequently as to bad people, that's even more frustrating. Nature doesn't care whether you're wise or you're unwise. Nature doesn't care whether you've done the right things or not. Stuff happens to us, and from our perspective, here under the sun, there's no rhyme or reason to that. And that's not fair. So how do we respond to this life that we can't predict? As you're listening to this sermon, as you feel the weight of the truth of what the teacher is saying. How does it make you feel? What is your reaction in your gut when you hear and to see the truth of what the teacher is saying? 
I suspect that the most common reaction that we have to this, and all of us experience this in one way or another, is that when we face the reality of our uncertain future, it causes us to fear. Some people even have a paralyzing fear of the future. Rona, can you stand up? Do you have your Bible with you or is it up here? Psalm 143, 3 and 4 in the, the translation that you read for us earlier. Behold, and I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. The psalmist knows that he in his life and in the lives of those around him, sometimes people are paralyzed with fear because of an unexpected future. I remember when Gloria was born, our oldest, our nine-year-old. Uh, I was a new parent, and I had these nights where I just imagined what would happen if a fire started near her room and I couldn't get to her. And some nights I would just play it in my head. Like, what would I do if I couldn't get there? Would I be brave enough to go through the smoke and fire to get her? And I would lay there in bed, sometimes for a couple of hours, not really realizing what I was doing, thinking about what I was going to do. There are so many bad things that could happen, and we, when we think about it, it leads us to fear. Another response that we may have when we think about this unpredictable nature of our future is to try to control our lives. We try to take every precaution that we can to protect ourselves and to protect our loved ones against the bad things can, that can happen. But moms and dads, we can't wrap ourselves and our kids up in bubble wrap, can we? As much as we might want to sometimes. We can't protect our kids from everything that may come their way. As much as some of us may want to do that, we know that we can't, and we know that, well, we might keep their bodies safe by wrapping them in bubble wrap, that there's other damage that that would do to them, right? Today, all of us strapped ourselves and our children into 2,000 pounds of steel, and drove here at 60 miles an hour, just feet away from other people driving 2,000 pounds of steel, going in all sorts of directions. Getting in your car this morning was the most dangerous thing that you will do all week, right? Karen. Karen came just to say some things to me this morning. Um, feels like God maybe leading her to say something, and I had this illustration in my sermon, and she came and said, Ryan, I'd like to share something about some things that happened to me a year ago today. And uh, Karen, if you would just come share a bit of about what happened and the praise that you have to God for that and what he's done in your life. A year ago today, I did strap myself into 2,000 pounds of metal. A year ago today, I strapped myself into 2,000 pounds of metal. Oh, it had cushioning in there too. <laughs> but in two seconds, my brain took a sabbatical. I was focusing on things of myself and I was T-boned in the driver's door by somebody that I did not see, should have, but didn't. 
and she hit me very solidly at about 45 miles an hour. By all rights, human rights, physical rights, I should not be here talking to you. But I praise the Lord that he protected me. He had his arms, his body, his angels around me, protecting me. And when we took pictures of the car, you can tell that he did. Um, it has taken me a year of hard work. Um, I praise him. I told him I would praise him and glorify him. It's because of him that I'm here. And it's because of him that you guys ministered to Pat and I during that time. And we thank you for your prayers, your support. It's taken me a year to thank you. But here it is. I thank you. I thank you for the food that you brought into our home, even when I didn't want you to see my house. <laughs> I thank you for all the prayers and the hugs, the thoughts, because it's, uh, because it's him. It came from him. You guys stepped out in obedience. I'm stepping out in obedience today. Thank you. And to tell you that yesterday, because of him, I actually walked the four mile for for fitness. Because literally I had to pretty much learn how to walk again. I didn't break any bones but I was shaken up. And just because he protected me doesn't mean I walked away without injury and that I walked away without having to do some work. There are so many things that when you're laying on your back with ice on your leg, you have nowhere to look but up. And... I've had to do a lot of looking up, a lot of leaning in, and praise him for things that he has changed in my life. And if you're in a hurry in that 2,000 pounds of metal, and you're thinking about wanting to go through a stoplight, whether it's yellow, or a little bit pinkish orange, we all know that, right? I would caution you to think twice because it hurts. It hurts and it costs a lot of time and a lot of money. But still, I don't know that I want to test him again, but he is our protector. And I thank you for you guys stepping out. Thank you. Thank you.
the safer thing that all of us could have done today would have been to stay home, right? But we, we got in the car, we took the risk, because there were benefits of being able to go wherever we want to go, whether it's today or each day. We simply can't take every precaution. Safety is important, but it's not our highest goal as human beings or as followers of Jesus for sure. And the teacher is clear that in this life we can't control everything, but we can't allow that to lead us to paralyzing fear. And so the teacher gives us some advice, and the advice that he gives throughout this book is that what we, we need to do is to accept that life is like this, and to not try to fight against it. It's true that we can't predict the future, we cannot be the masters of our own lives, we can't simply make our plans and trust that everything is going to shake out exactly like we want them to, so we need to accept that this is the nature of this life that chance is a part of it, that life is hevel, and part of the wisdom of the teacher that he passes on to us throughout this book is that we need to accept that as a fact. And from our perspective, from our perspective, under the sun, the good things that come and the bad things that come seem to be completely random. And so part of life is accepting that, and throughout this book, there's six times, I believe, that the teacher says something like this. I know that there's nothing in life that is better for people to do than to eat and to drink and to find satisfaction in their work. This is a gift from God. And so a few times in the book, the, the teacher does some reflecting on a particular aspect of life, and he concludes with that. I know that there's nothing better for people to do than to eat and to drink and to find satisfaction in the work that they do. That is a gift from God. You can't control your life. So it's important for you to accept that and to enjoy the good things that come your way the best that you can. Turn to chapter 11. And in 11 verses 1 through 8, I think we here find the teacher's main source of advice for what to do in the face of a life that seems random to us. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 I'm going to read through verses 1 through 8. I'll just start with verse, verses 1 and 2. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If you're using your pew Bibles today, the most recent translation of the NIV says this. They take a step of interpreting for us. It says this, ship your grain across the sea, And after many days, you will receive a return. And I think that that is what the teacher is getting at. A farmer can do all of the work of plowing and planting and harvesting, but then if he's too scared to let go of his crop, he'll have no return on that investment, even though it's a great risk to send that grain across the sea. You've got to do it if you want the investment on your work. And so what the writer is saying here is you can't go about living your life fearing the worst possible thing that can happen. You don't know what will happen, good or bad, so go ahead and do the wise thing. Verse 2, the teacher says, um, Give portions to seven, yes to eight, for you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. We would say, don't put all of your eggs in one basket, right? Go ahead and take different opportunities as they come and know that some of them are going to fail and some of them are going to succeed, but don't let the possibility of failure keep you from doing something. Verses three and four. If the clouds are full of water, they pour rain upon the earth. 
Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Again, he's telling us, take opportunities as they come. The perfect conditions, they'll never exist. If you wait for the perfect moment, you're never going to find it. It's never going to come. Go ahead and act. If you just stand there evaluating the weather all the time, you're never going to plan for a picnic, right? You just wonder, yeah, I'd like to have a picnic next Saturday, but it might rain, so let's not do it. You'll never do anything, right? The conditions in life are never going to be perfect. So each day, do the best that you can. Don't allow the possibility of bad things happening to keep you from acting. Verses 5 and 6. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. So sow your seed in the morning, and in the evening do not let your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. The teacher says we need to work hard. Do the work that you've been called to do at the time that you're called to do it. It's true that some of that work isn't going to work out the way that you want it to, but sometimes it may even turn out better than you think. So do the work and let life happen. Verses 7 and 8. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eye to see the sun. However many years a man may live, let him enjoy them all. But let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is hevel. In light of the reality of chance, the writer basically says that right now, this moment is all that we have. It's all that we can see, so we need to make the best of it. Enjoy the feeling of the sun on your face. If you can enjoy the life you have, go for it. But also be ready, because all of us will experience dark days. That is part of the hevel of this life. So that's what the teacher says about how we should respond to chance. And all of it is good advice. We need to listen to what the teacher has to say. But friends, there is more to this story. The teacher, again, is only giving us observation and advice in light of his observations of life under the sun. And this is the very best that human reflection and human reason has to offer to us. But there is more news available to us. There is more to this life than what meets our eyes. There is more going on in the world than we can see under the sun. God is real. And from his perspective, beyond the sun, there is nothing that happens by chance. God is not surprised by the things that happen to you. In your particular life, when something happens to us that seems meaningless, or when a good, happy surprise comes your way, that isn't a surprise to God. He knows your life. He knows what happened and what will happen. He's not surprised, my friends by the global events that are happening all around us. When we see everything that happens, and thanks to our 24-hour news cycle, we see way more than people at other times in history. When we watch what is happening, they are surprising to us, and they are unsettling to us, but none of them surprise or unsettle God. And God is at work in both of them, both the good and the bad, bringing about his plans and purposes in the world and in your particular life. 
And the best advice that we can get from human reason and insight is to enjoy the moment, enjoy good food and drink, and enjoy the work that God has given to you. It is a gift, and it is. But that's not all that this life is. And the truth of the gospel, it gives us more creative and sure ways to respond to the seeming random nature of our lives. When the teacher says to us, simply enjoy the moment, Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and where rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where rust and moth cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. Men of Broadway, we're told to do what? Invest what? Eternally. As followers of Jesus, we're called to have an eternal perspective. The work and the labor that we do here on earth, when it is done for Christ and in his name, it will last forever. The work that you do here is not in vain, even when it seems like no one else notices, even when it seems as if the work that you do has no value. What Jesus tells us is that the work that you do here on earth, it's an eternal investment and if it's done in his name. And secondly, the promise of the gospel is that while the seeming random nature of our lives can lead us to fear, we can live by faith. God wants to take everything that happens to us, both the good and the bad, and to turn it to his purposes. The gospel doesn't say that if we follow Jesus, then nothing bad will ever happen to us. And there are false teachers who will tell you that. That if you're following God, if you're faithful to Jesus, then health and wealth and prosperity will be yours. And that if something bad happens to you, it's some kind of karma because you did something bad. It's an evidence of your lack of faithfulness. It is a lie. In fact, sometimes the good things, the things that we say are good in this life, wealth and comfort and safety and security, those can be the most dangerous things to our souls. So we have an eternal perspective. What we do is the good things and the bad things that come our way, whichever they are, however we define the good things and the bad things, we ask, Lord, what do you want to do in these things in my life right now? I believe that you're real. I believe that you're here. I believe that you want to do a good thing in my life and in the world. So I'm going to trust you. The gospel doesn't promise that nothing bad will ever come our way. The gospel instead promises that even though we walk through the shadows, that God is there. That even when we face suffering and trials and when bad things happen, that God is with us. And not only that, but that God himself has suffered with us in Jesus. What the suffering of Jesus shows us is that there is nothing that can happen. No evil that can come that God can't turn for his good in the world. That is the most evil thing that ever happened. The suffering of the innocent son of God on the cross. It's the most evil thing that has ever happened. And God turned it for his good. For your good, for the good of our world. And he showed three days later later, that he had power over all of it by raising from the dead. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. God, we give you thanks. That from our perspective, even though it feels like so many times that we have no control, that things just happen to us. 
Father, we believe and we confess today that you are Lord and that you are in control. And Lord, we trust you. Lord, you know, certainly better than I do as the pastor of this church, you know better what each person is going through today. And the things that have happened to them, the things that they are struggling with, God, I pray that today that they would learn to trust you in all of it and to ask you today, Lord, what do you have for me in this? How do you want to turn this for your good? I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.